Welcome to episode 93 of the Search with Canada podcast, our first episode of 2021. It was recorded on Friday the 8th of January and of course my name is Mark Williams-Cook and today I'm going to be talking to you about keyword research with the new also asked beta and Google Question Hub, some changes to Google Ads with data exclusions, some sundry possible ranking update and we've got some more listener Q&A. Last time I put it out there, if you've got any questions, I actually had about 30 or 40 questions come back. So we'll be working through these in the subsequent episodes where I can. Before we get going, I just want to tell you this podcast is very kindly and proudly sponsored by Sitebulb. Sitebulb, if you haven't come across it before, is a desktop-based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac. And I'm surprised actually that I, I learned some other SEOs that I know quite well the other day still hadn't used Sitebulb, which was strange to me because I kind of thought everyone used it. So if you haven't tried it yet, they've actually got an offer with us where you can go to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC and you'll get a 60 day trial of Sitebulb for free. You don't need to put in any payment details or anything. So there's no catch. You can just give it a go. Every week I normally talk about kind of a different feature it's got and why we like using it because we use it at the agency. And this week it's just one of the extra things it does really, which is outside of the whole auditing process, you can actually use Sitebulb to generate your XML sitemaps. And why would you want to do this? Well, some content management systems actually make problems when they generate uh, sitemap files and that's because they will include non-canonical URLs or even kind of fragments of pages so some content management systems build pages by kind of making lots of little sub pages and putting them all together to form a full page and I've seen lots of those um, some of the quite popular CMS's actually include all of those fragments of pages as URLs in the sitemap which obviously you don't want them indexed so using Sitebulb, you can actually crawl your site as you wish, obeying robots.txt, not looking at kind of pages which are non-canonical and generate a sitemap from that quickly and easily. So just another kind of thing you've got in your Swiss army knife of Sitebulb tools. So it's at sitebulb.com forward slash SWC. This week I want to talk a little bit about keyword research and it's going to be incredibly self-serving because I'm going to talk about Also Asked. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Also Asked is a website that I founded and the Canda team built in Feb uh, well, no, actually November the 7th, 2019, I think we originally launched it and it's been in alpha for about a year. The alpha version basically meaning that not all of the features we wanted were live and some of the features may be broken and we left it live and we've got feedback and I know people have really enjoyed using it. Uh, we're up to now between 100 and 150,000 users per month using alsoask.com and together again on average they're doing over a million searches a month. So we have come to the stage anyway where 
we would have to actually look at charging for this tool because it's actually now costing a fair bit of money to keep running in a reasonable fashion. We have to obviously pay developers to work on the actual infrastructure and back end because serving those million searches a month uh, isn't quite as easy as you might think. If you haven't used Also Asked before, it's basically a tool that aggregates and organizes the people also ask results that you get in Google. So for around 50% of searches that happen, everything from kind of questions to one word brand searches, Google will show a little box that says people also ask, which shows questions that funnily enough, people also ask that's related to your search term. And if you click on those questions, what it will actually do is it will branch out and open another set of questions that are related to the one that you clicked on. Now for content creators, for SEO people, copywriters, PPC people, that's really, really useful information. However, from a content creation point of view, it's very difficult to get that information directly from Google. Now there are ways obviously you can kind of scrape this information yourself and on the Also Ask website we've always provided the open source solution in Python to do this through the command line interface uh, for free so you can just use that on your own desktop if you like. The idea of Also Asked was to firstly visually show that data so you and that, by that I mean including the clicks. So when you put a search term into Also Asked, it will show you the questions that are returned, the people also ask questions, and it will also simulate clicks on all those questions and show you what happens a couple of levels down. And the end result is pretty quickly you get this tree view of questions. And why that's particularly important is it also shows you the relationships between those questions. It can show you maybe where you've been maybe blinkered in your understanding of intent of a subject or a question. So that's happened to me a few times when you've got involved with a client and you're thinking about, you know, only their business and you put in a keyword and then you see some completely unrelated questions and realize there's there's a whole different set of intent around that search term as well. Um, the other thing it, it offers is you can actually click on any of those questions and it will redo the search and you can kind of explore these trees for as long as you like. And from a data analysis point of view, you can immediately export what you see on the screen to a CSV. And in that CSV file, it will actually keep that same organizational hierarchical structure of those questions as well. So that's that level, that nuance of data saved in the CSV file. You can also export straight to PNG currently on the site. So that is basically for if people wanted to use the data for like client presentations maybe or internal presentations, it's a very quick way of, of showing the, the detail to people. So the reason I wanted to talk about Also Asked on the podcast is hopefully by the time you listen to this, this week we're going to be launching the beta version. So moving from alpha to beta, which is Pretty much we've got everything as we want it. We've got all the features as we like them. We're just not sure how they're going to stand up to a stress test or or not, as the case may be. So we're doing immediately just going straight to an open beta. Everything's still free um, at the moment. Uh, and I'll talk more about kind of costs and etc. In, in a bit. And we've added some, some new features as well. 
So what's new in also ask is firstly, you will generally now get more results in the question maps. So if you compare the current version of also ask to the new one that launches doing the same search, sometimes you'll get as many as two or three times the amount of questions come through in the new version. That does mean that searches themselves will take longer. So at the moment, a search on also ask takes normally around 10 to 20 seconds. On the new version of the site, it can take 30 seconds to a minute for a search to complete because it's getting more data. The other thing that we've added uh, is a login functionality and an account creation functionality. And the reason for this is we wanted to give users some cash management of their searches. So when a search is performed, we will cache the result that we get because it's quite common that people do the same sets of searches and there are common sets of searches. So this massively speeds up the interface for the users because they can instantly get those results back. What the cache management offers you is a couple of things. So firstly, we are going to introduce a limit for the amount of searches that particular users can do through free accounts and through any, even if you're not signed in, you'll still be able to search without an account. Um, there's a, several reasons to this. I mean, one of the main reasons is you may have seen, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, also asked, did come under attack a few times from an individual doing a denial of service attack. And this was a um, very specific attack on our service that targeted some of our endpoints and was trying to do like hundreds of thousands of searches per second. And when we put kind of mitigation in place, this person was um, trying to, again, find ways around our mitigation. And it becomes very difficult to have a service that's free and open and easy for people to use while still trying to have a level of security that mitigates determined uh, people. So as you know, this is why we can't have nice things as the saying goes. So just being able to have some kind of easier, more verified rate limiting through account management will really help us provide a better service for everyone. But also it comes back to this cash management, which is you'll have a search history of things you've searched for. And you can then recall your cached searches kind of for free, if you like, in that it won't take away from the number of searches you're allowed to do because that search has already been done. We've got the answer saved for you. So you don't need to kind of use a credit if you like to do that again. However, one of the things that we learned over the last year with people also ask is that the results actually change quite quickly for some topics. So things especially around like uh, the Mandalorian series was one I watched with interest as the first people also ask questions appeared for that and how they morphed over time. Certainly things around the elections, for instance, as well. So with cash management, once you've done a search, you're going to have the option as well to clear that cash so you can then get the latest kind of up to date. Um, people also ask results for that. The other main feature that we're introducing, and again, everyone's going to get this for free during the beta, is a bulk search capability. This means if you do have kind of a set of keyword research that you need to do and you don't want to um, kind of try and have multiple tabs open, etc., even though we've got quicker ways to do that now, you can upload up to 100 keywords at once. And what 
also asked will then do is it'll put these in a queue it'll chug away and again this is why we wanted account creation because it will simply email you a compressed zip file with all of the csv data on all of the search terms there so i'd be really interested what feedback you have on the new version of also ask so it's available at alsoask.com i'm hoping by the time this podcast comes out on monday that we will have a um, this beta version live if not it will definitely be at some point during this week he says and yeah i just love your feedback do test it um i said i talk more sorry about pricing so we are going to start charging um we will have a we will have two free versions so there'll be a version for kind of new people that have first seen it you'll be able to do a few searches without doing anything there'll also be a version where you can sign up for free and have a dozen or so searches for free every month and export things to images then there'll be kind of a freelancer type version where you'll get a couple of hundred searches a month and you can export the data and you'll have your cash management, etc. And then we'll have this version where you've got a thousand or so searches a month and you'll also be able to do uh, the bulk searching is kind of the main difference there. So this is really for, for larger teams. So I'm hoping um, that people will find value in this, they'll find it useful and that we can keep the service running um, but check it out if you find anything that breaks just let us know we'll have um, some feedback tools on there so really appreciate any thoughts you've got um, there will be new features um, we've got planned over 2021 to add and um, I know we've got a lot of users as well outside of the UK and US so non-English users and we are going to look at having a few different multilingual uh, particularly Spanish versions of the site live during the year as well Google Question Hub is the other thing I wanted to talk about for keyword research. So again, I thought this fitted in nicely because it's speaking more about uh, people's questions, long tail keyword research and finding these gaps. So people also asked is, as we discussed, like a really good way to see what people are searching for. But there is one snag there, which is that if you have a people also ask answer, it means that Google has an answer for that question uh, because that's literally what you're seeing you're seeing the question but what google's showing you is the answer so while it's great to understand that this is the content that you need and this is what you need to be competitive what it doesn't necessarily show you is where all the gaps are which is where this google question hub comes in so this is actually a google product and i think i spoke about this um almost a year ago because it it was available in india for for quite a while now and I've just seen quite a few more people talking about it recently because it's now become available in the United States, India, Indonesia and Nigeria. So really interesting cross section of territories there. And Google's hoping to expand to other countries over time. And what Google Question Hub actually is, is it it's essentially Google's way of saying, look, these are the things that we've had searches for that we've not been able to provide any good answers for and it's giving publishers then the opportunity to get in on that and actually start answering those questions or just going back to their sites and start producing this content 
Now I've seen some of the um, questions that have come back in the US version and they are, the ones I've seen at least at this stage are like really, really, really specific questions. So things you would expect to only be searched for very rarely and that's that's fair enough that's actually what you would expect because you know the web is very big there's lots of searches and we are looking at kind of the extreme long tail here but the fact remains that these are still questions that google cannot find answers to so there is definitely going to be value in being the entity the person the website the organization that answers these questions if you aren't in the United States, India, Indonesia or Nigeria, they have got a wait list so you can get notified when it's launched um, in your country. Um, it's definitely something that I would have on my radar for my content teams as well. So there's almost this kind of like stack of, of software for uh, keyword research at each different level. I mean, f for me, I like still using the, the Google data you get for the very very top of the funnel broad stuff and then a lot of people uh, use answer the public so answer the public uh, often gets confused with also ask so answer the public uses primarily the google suggest api so that's the suggested searches and that's a really good topical overview and then i actually use also asked kind of at a level down from that so once i've got the topic information from answer the public i then put those specific topics into also asked to get questions about them and then I would see perhaps even the next stage down is where Google Question Hub would fit in there so you build a nice natural taxonomy from going this top down really broad searches then into breaking off into topics then also ask for questions within those topics and then Google Question Hub for the unanswered questions within those topics so I put a link in the show notes you can get the show notes at search dot with uk, and there'll be a link there that you can click to go sign up and join the waiting list or if you're in the states indonesia india or nigeria just sign up for google question hub There's a couple of bits of search kind of sundry that I wanted to cover very quickly before we got onto the user Q&A. I don't think they kind of deserve their own sections, but I found them interesting and it's probably good that you know about them. So the first one is about Google Ads. And this was quite a quiet announcement, but Google Ads has launched data exclusions for smart campaigns. So what does that mean? So smart campaigns or smart bidding and this is Google's description, is a subset of automated bid strategies that use machine learning to optimize for conversions or conversion value in each and every auction, a feature known as auction time bidding. So you've actually, if you run any Google ads, you have, would have encountered these before. Google pushes them really hard. So this is all the stuff like target cost per acquisition, target ROAS, maximize conversions, uh, maximize conversion value, even enhanced CPC. They're all smart bidding strategies. They're all the strategies that Google basically uses your Google Analytics conversion data for to try and build models and basically improve your uh, Google ads for you with mixed success again, as we've discussed before. But this is really helpful. So 
what this data exclusions is offering is there there are times and this has happened you know i'd be surprised if an agency hasn't had a client where this has happened where conversion tracking breaks and by breaks that could mean either it stops tracking or it's double tracking or it's tracking something it shouldn't it's basically not working properly the issue that you can have um, here especially and this is you know the running joke of machine learning is you know if you put bad data in you'll get bad data out this data exclusions allows you to go into google ads into data exclusions and choose a time frame for when you want to say please ignore this conversion data or lack of conversion data in this time so if you know that you had broken conversion tracking and it wasn't working you can go and do this and this will be excluded from the data set that is used to train the models that are going to be controlling your bidding so very 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 important because even sort of fairly small um times of losing this conversion data can really upset these models and they take a long time to train so you've probably had it before where if you've switched around your smart bidding you know things tend to get very expensive for a while and if you speak to the google accounts manager their stock answer will be hey yeah the model just needs time to learn um you know during which point you're paying out the nose so you want to avoid these bad data situations again i'll put a link if you want uh in to read it in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk and that will take you to the google support article that explains how to do this the other things i wanted to mention was it looks like yesterday there may have been some kind of ranking update again um doesn't don't think it's a core update because google tends to announce them We've seen a few tools again, like the SEM Rush sensor spike yesterday, which was the 7th of January. Some chatter on webmaster forums, um, opinions divided as to if this is still the last tremors of the December core update. Um, but Google did say that was finished rolling out on the 16th. Um, my view is it is probably still something to do with that. So while it's still, you know, the web's really big, while it's still while it's finished rolling out you still get these kind of ripple effects that tend to go on for a week or two i don't think there's going to be anything new there but what the reason i'm telling you this is if you've seen some kind of changes at the beginning of january so you've come back after holiday to hopefully improved rankings hopefully not um, worse rankings you're what i'm trying to tell you is you're not on your own so this again isn't something perhaps you've specifically done or something that's broken it seems lots of people are noticing this uh, the last piece of sundry I wanted to mention was actually about Majestic, which is Majestic has launched a feature. So Majestic is the uh, backlink analysis tool where it can actually show you graphs of how different websites, domains link together. And this is really cool information. So from a practical point of view, it actually opens up a lot of kind of neighborhoods of links that you might otherwise miss. So the kind of traditional way if you like or the way you'd go about finding new backlinks might be you know things like competitor research and you might only go back one or two levels but seeing this visually this structure of how you and your competitor websites and each neighborhood are linked together it can let you see what i would refer to as like good neighborhoods of sites and a neighborhood to me is a set of topically relevant sites that are linked together 
or all, or all linked to a particular hub there and making sure that you have links from those hubs. So if you just check out the Majestic blog, again, I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Um, you'll see that feature there. So Majestic, just one of the tools we use for backlink analysis, highly recommend it. To finish off, I thought we would work a little bit more through the listener Q&A. Uh, so again, I asked a few weeks ago, if you had any questions, submit them and we'll try and answer them on the podcast. And I got a lot back, which is great. Um, so Hossam Ismail um, submitted seven questions and they were really great questions, but um, to kind of get through everyone's questions, I've just picked two of them. So Hossam's first question was, uh, if we have an old website with a large number of 404 pages, what is the best practice here? Should we delete these URLs manually or should we just put them in robots.txt with a no index condition? What should we do? So the first thing that I think is important to realize here is 404 pages aren't pages. They're a lack of page. They are just a link to a non-existing page. And they're going to exist in one of two situations, which is firstly, um, if they are internally linked, i.e. you have pages on your website which link internally to other broken pages. So the easiest fix in that case is just to update that internal link to the page where it should be going. Um, there's no reason why you should have broken links on your site. The other possibility is if you have external links which are linking to pages that no longer exist. Now, there's a, an array of ways to tackle this. None of them really were, un, un, you know, the answer normally is not to have these pages 404 because that's a bad experience for the user, you know, not even thinking about search engines. So generally you wanna do one of two things. Um, a lot of people will use a 301 redirect so if someone is linking to a page of yours which is now broken, if you have a close matching or relevant page they should go to, then you would just 301 redirect them to that page. If, for instance, it's a product, so if it's an e-commerce site and maybe the product is now not available, then I would recommend actually keeping that page there or recreating it and explaining to the user that that product is no longer available and you can link maybe to close alternatives. There's a few advantages as well to that approach in that you still then maintain the benefit of having that incoming link and passing that equity to other pages and you've made it super clear to the user what's going on so they're not confused if they click expecting to get to a page and then end up getting redirected. What you don't want to do is just 404 them. There's no reason with 404s you want to be using robots.txt um, and certainly not, you know, no index because 404 pages won't be getting indexed anyway. Um, and the second question from Hossam was, um, when I'm looking for good backlinks, do I need to keep in mind the number of outbound links from that page? For example, if I have two options, a page with five outbound links and another with 20, does the number of outbound links affect the quality of the backlink, quote unquote, from a Google perspective? And I thought this was a really interesting question um, not because the uh, not because the kind of technical answer is interesting I think it's an interesting question because the technical answer is kind of useless okay so 
what I would say here is if everything else is equal, which it will never be, and you had your two options, so a page with five outbound links and a page with 20 outbound links, then yes, technically the page with the five outbound links, those links would be quote unquote worth more from a Google perspective because part of the modeling Google is doing with these links is working out reasonably based on text link size, location, frequency, if users would click on those links. So if there's five links and you're one of them, you have a slightly higher chance of being clicked on than if there's 20 links and you are one of them. So therefore that's reflected in the link graph. However, that makes absolutely no uh, impact on your judgment as to whether you should get links from that site or not and whether it's one or another, right? So that page is either relevant for you to have a link from or it's not. And it doesn't matter if it has five links or 500 links on it. If it's relevant you being there, then you should aim to be there, right? Um, it's, it's not bad that if it's got lots of links on the page versus if it hasn't. Um, and this is what I mean by, you know, while there's a technically correct answer to this, it's not applicable in any sensible uh, realm of SEO and what you should be doing. So I would always just make a judgment call on, is this a good page? Does it make sense that I'm linked to from here? If so, I want a link where it's relevant and hopefully as most prominent as it can be. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, you know, if it's, uh, it, the only way you might think about this is if maybe you're buying links, which again, I just wouldn't get involved with that. And again, it, it's just not something you should be worried about. So I hope that answers your questions, awesome. Um, maybe we'll work through some of your other ones in the subsequent episodes. And I thought we'd kick off as well, uh, 2021, since it's kind of one of those years already so far, even though I'm already on, only on the 8th, is two um, what we'll call conspiracy questions. Uh, and we're rife with conspiracies in the world at the moment, so I thought we would enjoy these. So the first is from Martin McGarry. And Martin asks, would you put it past Google to covertly sabotage the credibility of organic results through core updates in order to make the paid results more relevant and useful. Now that they're pushing for self-sufficient AI-driven results, they want those to be the true answer to most people's, in brackets, commercial search needs, I presume. From Conspiracy Theories R Us. <laughs> so Martin's basically asking, uh, would Google kind of tank the relevance of um, organic commercial terms so more people would click on ads? And my honest answer to that is, I don't know if I'd put it past Google doing something bad because they they do apparently quite a few uh, morally questionable things now. But I don't think they're doing it because I don't think it makes commercial sense to do what you are suggesting right? So the reason that, in my opinion, the reason that Google generates over a hundred billion dollars a year in ad revenue is because its organic results are so good. The reason Google can actually make the money from the ad is because they can put them in front of so many people. There are still the majority of searches, I would say, that happen don't have massive commercial intent and they all need to be served by this core algorithm as well. So 
it's it's kind of not one or the other the you've got research as well from ofcom that shows around half of uk adults can't actually identify a paid ad in google so while this might play into this the other half though when interviewed about 75 percent of them say they skip the ads so you would be disenfranchising a lot of people especially those that skipped the ads when they saw them if you started trashing these organic results it just doesn't make commercial sense to me um, to drive more revenue from their search to do this to me it would say continue making the best search engine possible reducing friction there's loads of other ways that they can generate more revenue we've seen google as we spoke about in our end of year episode step on people's toes in all kinds of industries uh zero click results these are all ways that i see google kind of eating in and making more uh, revenue but i don't think that kind of sabotaging their own organic results is how they would go about this and i'd actually wonder like you've suggested if they're ai driven what kind of granular control they would have about this you know for this so unless they actually set these kind of fitness functions around destroying the relevance of those organic results they wouldn't have that granular control to do it because the whole point of the ai is it's going and tuning everything for them so I hope that, or at least my opinion, has entertained you on that, Martin. Um, and the last question from Phil Frazier, one we've all heard before, I've answered before, but what better way to end the show and start 2021 with the question from Phil Frazier, will my SEO perform better if I spend more money on PPC with the big G? Quote, unquote, you scratch our back with dollars, we'll scratch yours. And again, I wanted to answer this just to be super clear because the first part of the question is, Will my SEO perform better if I spend money on PPC? And the answer is possibly because if you drive more people to your website, you have a higher probability that they will like your content, link to it and do all the things that will actually give Google the signals it needs to improve your ranking. But obviously you've gone on there to make the suggestion, is it a direct relationship that you spend money on PPC and it will improve your organic. No, 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 no. Uh, we've covered that you know, a lot before. Google's covered it before. Again, I don't see that how that would make commercial sense for Google, apart from I'm sure all the legal kind of hot water they'd land themselves in. That's not, you know, th there's no actual reason. If someone's spending lots of money on Google ads and they're reliant on it, you'd actually surely want them not to perform well in organic because then they wouldn't need to spend as much money that they are obviously spending on on paid search and someone's always going to fill that void anyway so I, I just don't see what google has to gain from linking those two things but always happy to answer these questions keep them coming and we will try and answer them on subsequent episodes that's all we've got time for i hope everyone is having a great 2021 so far um, we're only a week in but it's been pretty interesting I will be back next Monday, which will be the 18th of January. I hope you've all gonna, um, have some feedback for me on Also Asked. And apart from that, I hope you'll have a brilliant week. And do remember to subscribe to the podcast if you are enjoying it.